the um, accolades um, that I got in business, that I got in our church, that I got in our neighborhood, having all the right stuff and doing all the right things was not really what I really desired to be known and seen for. And I had a sense that people didn't really know me. Yeah, there's this desire probably um, to have them know me. Welcome to the Phoenix Effect Podcast with Elle, Kristen, and Dennis. We are three narrative-trained therapists, and we will be interviewing storytellers from all walks of life. Listen in as we hear the stories behind the stories of what people do to find belonging, purpose, and success. Stay tuned until the end to find out how to become a part of the show and to hear an important disclaimer about the difference between this podcast and what we do as therapists. Hey, this is Elle. I am introducing episode two. We hear from one of our hosts, Dennis. Dennis shares a little of who he is, how he became involved in narrative story work, and a story from his sophomore year in high school, which directly led to where he is today. Trigger warning. Dennis does reference past abuse, but gives no explicit details. Consider yourself and your story before you continue listening. Dennis, do you mind telling us a little bit about where you are in the world and what you like to do with yourself in that part of the world? Yeah, I'm um, Akron, Ohio. So we're a uh, suburb out of Cleveland, probably probably most known because of LeBron James. So same town that he grew up. In fact, I went to the same high school as LeBron James, Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. So we're over here in the Northeast and um, there's literally nothing that I don't um, enjoy doing. So I do tons of activities. I like to constantly be engaged doing new stuff. Um, I've got three boys, um, 16, I'm sorry, 17 now, 19 and a 21 year old next month. And I've got a 22 year old daughter who's getting married October 1st. And I'm super engaged with my kids, love doing stuff with them. My boys and I enjoy hiking, rock climbing. We've got a boat that we love doing surfing on. So it pushes like a big surf wave and you can throw aside the rope and then just kind of surf this wave around the lake. So we enjoy doing lake vacations. Um, my wife has been like amazing about always setting aside vacation time. So we try to do a couple family things a year. And um, and I think the other thing too with that is I've really gotten an opportunity to grow deeper in my relationship with my wife. and. I kind of took a year last year and spent the year in Chattanooga and I started working on a um, degree in counseling. So um, really my past experience, I'm 53, my past experience um, has been everything opposite maybe of counseling. So I was a fireman and a paramedic um, and then I ran a couple of um, companies. So I started up uh welding and fabrication company that focused primarily on doing um, welding and fabrication for fire protection contractors. And then I got hired about 16 years ago by a group out of Michigan to run a couple facilities for them. 
and uh, I'm very much still engaged with the company. But I've also um, last year really started looking more into um, into mental health in counseling and started working on a degree in uh, clinical mental health counseling through Liberty. And um, when I took that year off last year, um, Kelly and I, my wife, would spend a lot of time walking the streets of Chattanooga and just talking and um, learned a lot from her and um, also really learned that I really enjoy spending time with her because I've kept myself so busy with kids and activities um, from early on in our marriage that it was just a good way to really reconnect with her and get to kind of know each other kind of life had gotten in the way. She's a woman who longs for like deep connection and isn't satisfied. Thankfully isn't satisfied with shallow conversations. So I've been recently more able and capable of, of being the type of husband that I think she's longed for and actually deserved too. If you, if you don't mind my asking, it seems like there's was quite a pivot for you career-wise and even personally. Um, it seems like your career wasn't on this one trajectory and then there was like a swerve to do counseling and now you're even working that out in your own relationships, how to be very connected and very relational. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I think, um, and I wish I have done it like a, ought to do maybe a timeline. You know, a lot of the stories that I've been going into and narratives I've been writing um, of experiences throughout my life, um, I need I need to maybe start dating them and putting them in a timeline. But I think that in 2019, my wife invited me to this. Um, I think I felt like it was just going to be a church marriage group, get together group. Um, it was over at her best friends and my semi best friends, um, business, he owned a roofing company. So we went over to his, uh, roofing company. It was in the evening, bunch of other couples were there and, um, they started introducing the, what the group was actually about. And it quickly went from a group that was going to meet like once, uh, every couple months for dinner, um, to something completely different. And basically she had been through um, this course called NFTC1 at the Allender Center and was currently enrolled at NFTC2 and wanted to do what she was calling a narrative-focused um, marriage group where we would share um, stories of harm that we had experienced as children and engage it um, as couples. And that was lightly intriguing to me as she started explaining that. And then she put a clip of Dan Allender on, um, who really kind of got to the heart of what this narrative-focused therapy is all about. And it was basically Dan um, explaining, sharing his own story, um, his own story of sexual abuse, the story shared. Um, made my my whole body reacted to my hair like right even right now I can feel as I'm thinking about his story that he shared of sexual abuse being done to him um my hair standing up my whole body lit up I walked out of this room got up and walked out 
and uh, went to my truck, turned on my truck and was just getting ready to pull out and leave because I felt like I didn't want to have anything to do with this group. I didn't want to have anything to do with like these types of stories. I had been abused at age five sexually and um, had never, ever really spent any time processing this story. And uh, my wife would even tell me, she says, you know, when you got up and left, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I felt like there's a high likelihood that you weren't going to come back. And she said she was nervous for what, if I might make her make her pay <laughs> for bringing me there. Um, for sat in that car and I knew, just knew it was time. I knew it was time to start. Um, I needed to have the courage. Um, to look at back at things that I didn't want to look at. I had largely been a man of the present and the future. And I knew that my past was still holding me back from who I really wanted to be in my present and my future. And um, I just prayed to God for strength and um, went back in that room and spent that year, year and a half uh, working some of these stories, never the my deepest stories of uh, of abuse, but definitely stories um, that I had experienced in my family of origin um, that were hard. And I just slowly started becoming um, a little bit of a different person, kinder to myself, um, started liking myself better, started showing up in real relationships, um, more truer to myself instead of presenting and changing myself like a chameleon to how other people might want me to be. And um, then I actually took uh, the course uh, in FTC one that my wife's friend had taken. And, um, and then I took NFTC two with, uh, with you all. And, um, and also my wife did those groups with me too. And what I gained in our group, and then what I was able to gain processing what I was learning with my wife, um, definitely has put me on the, on the trajectory that I have today, which is like really seeing how, when we've experienced harm, the beliefs that we believe about ourselves and others, the vows that we make, um, makes true connection and relationship that we really ultimately desire very, very difficult to attain unless we can go back into these stories and not only go back into those stories, but do it with trueness and, um, and honesty and integrity. And sometimes that means that other people that you, we care about and don't want to see as perpetrators, we have to see them for what they are and what they've done. Thank you for sharing that, Dennis. I felt really pulled in to the story you were sharing about how activated you felt when you started hearing Dan speak about his sexual abuse and you had to just get out of there, get in your car. And I, I can only imagine the courage that it took to pivot, go back inside 
and start to name all the things that have been pushed down for so long. And it would, it, the work just gets harder, right? It, it, you start to have to name all of the things that you've tried to protect yourselves and other people your whole life from, like that changes everything. Yeah. You know, um, you know, similar to your uh, past story, I could even, I know my body has desired to get this out, get this story out. It actually needed, it needed it. My body really needed this story exposed and like brought to light. And yet I come from a family. My family background is one that we don't, we don't share those things. You know, I remember actually writing about writing this story. I do think I actually, interestingly enough, um, gave my best effort to write this story as a um, sophomore in my taking like an honors English class. And I remember writing about what happened. And then also I was holding so much anger. I remember writing about what I wanted to do to the guy that had abused me. And I remember taking it to my parents and showing it to them. And their reaction was, why, why do you want to write about this? For my mother, it was like, I remember her words, hey, this is something, look at the, look at how awesome your life is. Look at how strong this has made you. Look at all these great things in your life. And this experience, although I know it was hard, has made you the person that you are. And you're, and it was some partial truth in that, but it's not the type of truth I, I could have gotten where I was at without having undergone this experience. And there was a, this intense need on their part to keep this thing hidden. And, um, and yet I was insisting on bringing it to my English class, <laughs> to my English teacher, really, because the class never heard it. Um, and my father's reaction when they knew that it was imminent, that I wasn't backing down, was, hey, can you change? Can you change some of this wording? Can we, instead of writing the some of the explicitity of this, can you just say this and just leave it to people's imaginations, I guess, right? Because the details now, and now that now what I'm even hearing in that moment from my father is like, this is not what you did is bad. Mm-hmm. What you did is not okay. And so I got that. And then interestingly enough, I turned in my paper. I got an A on my paper. (laughs) And in the background and some lettering from my teacher was, um, be careful. Revenge can, can be a very harmful thing. (laughs) Like some, some like, but it felt right. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, I know I I will be careful. I remember reading the, reading the advice thinking, all right, I guess I was maybe hoping or wanting, desiring there to be more or somebody to actually see me. And, and I get a, you know, be careful about what you might do type of a type of a thing. And so they continued to reinforce everything that you'd been learning up to that point, which was edit yourself, 
don't show the most vulnerable thing. And so when you show up at this marriage Bible study that you think you're going to, you had your moment now. It was a true invitation. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually I'm just processing even these memories right now, kind of for the first time, you know, just the, maybe the longing that I had in that moment and that I was thinking that even if my parents couldn't see it, that maybe I might get some invitation from my English teacher and that she might see, I was, you know, thinking about it. I must have been really just what a, what a cry for help that, 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 that sophomore had. And, um, and I think that I probably did exactly that L once I got those comments back and there was no real invitation, no wanting to discuss further anything that, of which I had shared about my abuse. I just felt like it didn't matter. And, um, and that I was doing something wrong. And I think I was ashamed. And I think that at that moment, I believe I pushed all of those memories and thoughts and feelings and didn't revisit till that day in that marriage conference room. And yet the longing was still there to be known and seen. Yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, through performance, through accomplishments, <laughs> I I had had all of those things met and it felt artificial. And after 50 years, or I think at that point, I was like 49 years. Um, I was finally realizing now that this was not how I wanted to do it. And I was recognizing that the, um, accolades um, that I got in business, that I got in our church, that I got in our neighborhood, having all the right stuff and doing all the right things was not really what I really desired to be known and seen for. And I had a sense that people didn't really know me. And um, yeah, there's this desire probably um, to have them know me. And to be known. How do you feel about showing yourself on this podcast today? You know, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it feels exposing. It feels exposing, and I feel like you know I've spent a good part of my life um, desiring to avoid humiliation <laughs> and also wanting to be recognized. What about and, not, and not always doing it right. And I feel this sense that am I walking into humiliation right now? Am I about to be humiliated? I think is where my mind's at right now. And I want to avoid it at all costs. Dennis, I'm so curious when you wrote that story in high school and you, not only did you write the story, but you brought it to your parents. I don't know if that was like a normal Thing for you to do to show your parents your papers before you uh, turn them in. Um, but you show your parents this paper that you're going to turn into your teacher. 
you're wanting somebody to know what happened to you. And this is the way that you can make that happen. I'm so curious what you were wanting in that moment. What what was mm. Dennis longing for? Yeah, I just wanted um I just wanted to be cared for. I just wanted to be I wanted my parents to know what I had endured, what I had experienced, what I had done. And I wanted them to let me know that it was okay and that I didn't do anything wrong. And that it wasn't my wasn't anything that I did and it so didn't happen. It so didn't happen. Yeah, I just imagine that you were holding this secret for so long and what that does in a little body and a maturing body. And then to finally find the courage to offer this story. And you mentioned earlier, you know, your your dad suggesting some revisions and you kind of taking that as, you know, I, f- I forget the words you said exactly, but, um, you know, something that you had done that he were trying to hide. I see your dad's own shame in that. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to cover up his own shame because he doesn't want this story exposed because of how that's going to reflect on him, yeah. not because of how it reflects on you. And, you know, Kristen, I hear that and I'm still wanting to turn from anything about my father back on myself, because you know what I ended up doing is I ended up, I didn't, I did go back and I did modify some of the graphic, some of the actual truth of the story. Um, And do you understand why you had to do that? You had to. Yeah. Well, because I couldn't bear being cut off from my parents. Right. And um, and I'm just feeling shame that I didn't just keep the story as it had been written. Oh, but what an impossible choice for a boy. Mm-hmm. What an impossible choice. You should have never been in that position, Dennis. You should have, you should have been responded with so much care and so much concern. And instead you were edited. And you had to keep the connection. Those were the only parents you had. I think your expectation that this would sound the alarm would make sense, but you had to sacrifice yourself if you want to maintain the connection with mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It was such a hard time. You know, even that time in my life was so hard and it's just really, uh, I just find myself thinking, I guess the question for me is coming up. What, what might have my life looked like? had my parents been able to have like cared for me right then had they not made me edit myself had they not made me hold on to this sense of shame and this sense of um that i was bad yeah i'm just really 
mourning, <laughs> just find myself really mourning the, 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 what I missed out on and what I lost. Um, because after that, uh, a, a sophomore continued that was holding an immense amount of anger, hatred, self-contempt, shame, and that in many ways he's held up until age 49. And just the, I wasn't even seeing that moment right now for what it was until we just started this. But just the morning right now of all those years that I missed out on and all those years that I've endured all that because I wasn't cared for. Well, and if I can push it a little further, Dennis, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you weren't already editing yourself by the time you were in high school, because it took a long time for that story to come up. And I wonder if this story is actually a story of, this is the first time that you had the courage to show yourself and to break out of a, a family system that says, edit, edit, edit. And you're like, hey, I want to try something different. I'm going to unedit. I want to show my real story. And what happens is the narrative is reinforced. It's made explicit, the thing that had been implicitly known. And then the next opportunity that you have to courageously break out of that editing is again when you're 49. And this time you're like, you know what? I got to do it. Mm. And I see there's this true sense of yourself, this resilience that's been holding on, this hope of like, I need to share this story. I need to find a place where somebody is going to hold this for me and with me. And you didn't give up. And it took a, it took way longer, way longer than it ever should have. But I see, I see, I hear what you're saying with the shame and the contempt and all of that is real and all of that is there. And I also just want to focus in on your resilience mm. to hold on until you found a soft landing spot. Because you had a choice in that car as 49-year-old Dennis to walk away and say, no, I'm going to keep editing. Mm. And you chose not to. You're like, oh man, this is my opportunity. And this is scary as hell. And I'm going to do it because it's what I've always wanted. This is my longing. This is my desire. And I'm going to follow it. So now you're getting to that integrity and that truth that is so hard for us to, um, like, I want to so badly, like, push away all the goodness that you're offering me. But, um, but the truth is, Kristen, I do see that. I do see that. And, um, and I see that in that sophomore and I see it in between ages of five and that sophomore, because it's very true. Like I had learned to start editing. I had to survive in order to survive. I had to edit. And yet it's amazing. It is amazing to me that after all those years, I would still be able to have enough courage to revisit what I didn't actually have to. 
but I knew I had to, <laughs> if that makes sense. Thanks for calling out that truth. Yeah. How are you? How are you sitting even in your body right now? I'm curious to uh, check in and see what's going on with you. Well, this isn't even the story that, you know, <laughs> I don't think we're going to do my story. <laughs> that I will have well, to we do are doing your story. Have to yeah. do it. You know, just, just the, um, you know, what's that term? You know, what's that term when somebody's story brings something up in you that I was getting from Dan's story? What's the technical term for that? Transference. Yeah. Counter-transference. Yeah. Counter-transference. Something like that. So I, that, that came first, right? That, that came first as I was just talking to you guys and starting to share with you guys, like how I ended up where I'm at right now. It kind of went back to that day where I'm sitting in that conference room and that counter-transference comes up to me for hearing Dan's story. And immediately my body's like lit up and engaged. And um, I'm super vigilant. I have an awareness of everything going on around me all the time. And um, and now I have an intensity in my body that has felt very normal. And processing with you guys, then I was feeling pissed and angry as I'm reliving that story. And I'm feeling anger even at myself for having edited it. And then as you guys were able to step in and help me see like my younger self, like the the goodness that he had and wanting to bring this story out, I'm actually feeling like a softness and a tenderness and a compassion um, for that sophomore. Um, Because that's true too. And then Kristen, when you brought it to like, hey, at 49, Look at yourself at 49. Like, um, you know, I find myself easy to accept my shortcomings and failures, easy um, to hold an opinion that I'm not very good. And when you're able to call out that goodness in my 49-year-old self, Kristen, it felt really, uh, it felt true. It felt true. And, um, and actually having processed this story with you guys, I feel like I'm even closer to being my real self, which has not always been easy for me to be. Yeah, I know. I know this is not the story that we had planned for you to bring today. And I just felt like you were handing us your paper again and saying, what are you going to do with it? And I, I just felt like, man, we got to engage this because it's another offering it's another chance and you deserve care and you deserve tenderness and you deserve all of those beautiful things that your, your body was longing for. And I, I don't want to edit you. I don't want to say let's shut it down so we can move on to the plan. It's like, yeah, this is, this is the story that was alive, you know? And I'm so glad that you were willing to share it with us. I, yeah, I just feel really close to you right now. Really tender. What's that bringing up for you, Dennis? Yeah, it's just that like the only, you know, my wife kind of sees me and knows me and, but I don't, as much as I desire that, um, it's not, it's not a normal 
to receive care. It feels great, you guys. I'm super appreciative. I really am. And um, and it also is just like a newer thing that I'm experiencing that's even <laughs> receiving care is a little bit difficult. It's hard. It's hard to admit I have needs and have those needs met by um by caring for my sophomore for so long ago. It's um I'm grateful. It was an honor to let us be with you. I think we, we were talking before I hit record about the self-editing down to the point of who who am I? Right. And I think it's in these moments we actually can see, no, you've been in there this whole time. It was attempted to be kind of cut out and edited down. And yet when you had the opportunity, you took it at 49 and you took it today. Mm. It's in there. You've always been in there and we like him. what do you do with that yeah what do you do with that well let me acknowledge that i'm like at war (laughs) i'm at war with that but also um also i um it's like i'm in that car again for a second you know what i mean and i then i have to make that decision what what am i going to do with that and I actually think I can sit with right now that 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 is that is me, and um, and I can tell you that I'm starting to feel a lot more comfortable with who I am. And it, it's these moments like what we just experienced today. It's these long walks like with my wife where I start to actually. Um, start to to more fully understand and accept my identity and oftentimes it's it's who i was very early in life it's closer to that child is is the real me and i can feel i feel closer to that child today right now Now, when you say there's a war going on inside you, I hear there's so much risk in accepting this is true. It feels terrifying. There's a lot of risk. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. Kristen, that will, that might be for future stuff because like I did share for sure, like I've spent a lifetime avoiding humiliation and picking up my sense of belonging through my accomplishments. And um, and this is what we're doing is neither of those. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Dennis. I look forward to doing more podcasts with you and continuing to discover who you are. It's an honor to be with you. And that's where we end today. We are so glad you joined us. We want to invite you to get involved in the show. First, 
be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That way, you don't miss out on a future episode. Second, if you'd like to learn more about joining us and sharing your story, send us an email at phoenixeffectpodcast at gmail.com. That's phoenixeffectpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast and website represents the opinions of Elizabeth Key, Kristen Boskell-John, and Dennis Roberts, and their guests to the show and website. The content here should not be taken as medical or psychological advice. This content is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship.